Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. We are back with a brand new podcast just in time for the 2023 World Cup in France. I'm your host, Ben James, and we are joined by rugby writer Stefan Thomas. Steph, how are you feeling about the new podcast? Yeah, I'm feeling good, quite excited. Uh, you know, World Cup's around the corner, it's getting real now, isn't it? So, um, and you know, you, you look at some of the, the previous people who've been on this podcast, you know, Andy Howell, Simon Thomas, you know, following in our footsteps. It's quite uh, an honour. I mean, it's, it's all changed. I think the last time we did a pod was the, the, the Lions tour two years ago when we had Matty Southcombe and... Uh, and Si, they've all moved on to, to pastures new, but it's just us two left. New era now. New <laughs> a, era. a new era of the pod. And it's the same same with the Welsh squad, isn't it? It is. Well, in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. Yeah. yeah. Warren's back. Well, but in terms of the playing <laughs> squad, it's uh, it's all changing. It's the same year, really, isn't it? It you is, know? yeah. And same management, new, <laughs> new soldiers. Uh, yeah, in the, in the next few weeks, we'll hopefully be bringing you all the uh, the latest uh, news and, and reaction analysis. Um from the warm-ups and then out in France, which is the bit that we're quite excited about, is doing the pod out in France. I mean, let, let's just crack on. We're talking about rugby. We've we finally had some rugby under our belts. Uh, Wales played their first warm-up uh, ahead of the World Cup on Saturday and uh, produced a, a pleasing result, beating England 29 in Cardiff. Steph, what, what were your um, initial reactions to that win? I think you've you've got to put it into context. Um you know, these these warm-ups are is a bit of a phony war. Um, it was a shadow England team. I think my gut feeling is that Steve Borthwick had selected his squad before the game and that was sort of reflected in their performance. But you can only be just put in front of you. I thought, you know, Wales were quite rusty in the in the first half, understandably. England probably left them off the hook a little bit because they, they cut them a few times in the, in the last 10 minutes of the first half. And I think if they did got more than the a score ahead, it might have been a different game, but second half, Wales are really comfortable. Um, there's only one team in it. The forwards are good. Um, their attack didn't fully click, but there were some good signs there. And um, I think Gatlin would have been really pleased with the performance of some of the boys who were making the debuts as well. They weren't, weren't perfect, understandably, but as a first hit out, um, I think he'd be relatively pleased. But um, it'll be tougher this week at Twickenham, I think. Yeah, you, you mentioned there the, the Borthwick it felt like he, he named his squad. That it's a bit of a weird subplot, wasn't it? Like I forget, I, I don't, I, I I can't remember how many players he's probably dropped through the summer, but it, it just felt weird going into the first warm-up game, and it felt like he'd already he knew his squad. It, it, it felt like a slightly weird situation for the England players. I mean, Slade was on the bench, and you know, twelve hours later, he's being told you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> which you know our colleagues in England tell us he was blindsided by which isn't isn't, isn't a huge surprise no. to be taken back by the news but it just felt like a a bit of a strange concept and we're seeing it with a few squads you know like South Africa naming this week mm. New Zealand have named Wales almost feel like the anomaly by by waiting which which isn't usually the case I, th- I think though, you know, we, we go back four years ago. If you if you go back to this stage four years ago, Wales had won a Grand Slam, ranked number one for a while. It was it was certainly in the top three teams in the world. So that was an established team. So you would have thought that Warren Gatland probably had about ninety percent of that team nailed on before the warm ups or that squad. Sorry, yeah. but now because he's come in late in the day. Um, you know, Wayne Pivak probably left a lot of uncertainty in terms of selection. Um, so I suppose it's a bit different. 
you know, it's all well and good. I know Warren Gatlin puts a lot of emphasis on training, the way they train, but it's all well and good being good in training. You know, he's got to see these guys playing test yeah. matches as well. And I think it's just a totally different context in the build-up to what it was four years ago. So, and, and Wales are in a different uh, stage to some of the other teams in terms of their development. So I, I think given that he's had to sort of, you know, a lot of players have retired, a lot of the older players, he's had to push through some of the younger guys, a lot of new caps which is a strange a bit, you know, this close to yeah, a World Cup. No, I think he's probably, he probably has to see them in a few test matches before naming his squad. So I think that's probably one of the main reasons he's uh, he, he's gone about uh, naming the squad this way. I mean, you can't escape the sort of the comparisons to 2011, can you? It feels like everyone's making them that yeah. there's so many different sort of parallels in terms of the amount of young caps coming through. Um a young open side being handed the captaincy at the start of the warm-ups. Yeah. E- even Saturday, you've got a young Scarlet's fly half being handed his first start. And we all know how that ended in 2011. It, it just feels like there are so many comparisons. And I mean, we, we, we cast our mind a few, a few months ago. And I think when all those retirements happened, given everything else that's happened in the last year of Welsh rugby, the, the, the instinctive reaction was, oh, well, it's just getting worse. This is the next step in, you know, Welsh rugby soap opera. But I don't know. I don't know whether, you know, Gat Gatlin. I think he he said to ITV last week that he he didn't really understand the panic at the time. You know, that's that's maybe Warren being Warren, and you know, everything's fine. You know, I I know what I'm doing, and he's always been quite, yeah, sort of vocal in the sense that look, you know how he sees things is how he sees things and it, n- nothing really changes that. But maybe on Saturday we saw the first signs of some shoots of, I don't know, youthful recovery and, and, and maybe optimism. I think so. I think I think one one thing, one area of coaching where Gatlin's been world-class at, he's always got right. He's always known when to stick and twist with certain players. And you just wonder whether if he had been Wales coach throughout this whole four-year period, whether some of the players that are retired had been moved on anyway. Yeah. So I think there was a feeling that this was the natural time that some players had gone on a bit too far and that it was time for the likes of Sam Costello, who's been outstanding at regional level, Max Llewellyn, um, you know, people who watch the regions week in, week out. I know it can be quite painful at times, but Corey Domachowski has been as good as any loose said yeah. um, that's been in the Wales squad of the last three years, but hasn't had, hasn't had a look in. So a lot of these players are form players at a regional level, albeit it's, it's a big step up. But I think there is some optimism. Um, as a clear comparison between Reese Priestland in 2011 and, and Sam Costello 2023, he wasn't perfect on the weekend obviously dropped two up and unders and one kick charged down can't afford to do that on a big game but his all-round game was excellent you know the way he controlled the game a lot of I think a lot of tens young tens would have let those mistakes get to them but he didn't his problem solving on the field is good his game management is good and everything good from Wales's attack stemmed from him um so that was that was a huge positive you know the, the two props um, the start did Aserati and Domachowski. Yeah, they they were penalised a few times, but I mean, watched the game back. They were quite quite harsh penalties, yeah. and Henry Thomas did well off the bench. You know, Plumtree did well. So there is some optimism that the you know there's been an injection of fresh blood into the squad, and um, 
time will tell how good they are but um you know there seems to have been some some small signs of uh, of recovery i mean obviously we're making the comparison to reese priestland and I think Reese was thrown in to that first game at Twickenham uh, 12 years ago as, as a late injury replacement, if yeah, I remember right. Stephen Jones. So, he did, did, so Stephen Jones dropped out. Yeah. And then I feel like the week after in Cardiff, was Henson meant to play in midfield? And, Henson played in midfield and went off injured after yeah, about 20 minutes. And, and Broken wrist, I think it was. Did, was Hook fullback or did he move to fly off? But I think he I, moved to fly off later. I feel, like, I feel like Priestland got another shot in the jersey and then, yeah. you know, come the World Cup. Started the first test against he, the He was box. crucial, wasn't he? And he, 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 yeah. he just made a real difference to getting Wales over the game line. And, you know, if you remember that World Cup and how Jamie Roberts was. We talked about the same who Sam Warburton's red. Obviously, you know, crucial yeah. turning point. But Adam Jones going off was crucial as well. But I'm convinced if Priestland had started 10, they would have won that game regardless of uh, Adam Jones yeah. going off and Warburton having a red card. So, uh, but it's in the past now. <laughs> but... Yeah, you, you know, you say Costello wasn't perfect, but, you know, I think he certainly did more good than bad. Yeah. I think what was interesting for me, and, you know, we've, we've seen it four years ago with the with how Gatlin wanted to go into the World Cup in Japan with Anscombe as your starter and Bigger as your, your replacement, and they dovetailed quite nicely. I think we saw on the weekend was, was, was how the two fly halves, how, how they affect the attack in, in phase play. So, you know, Costello's a really sort of nuggety fly half. Mm. I think everyone, I mean, c- certainly certainly from the 20s, everyone makes, you know, everyone takes notice of his running threat because in the under 20s, he, yeah. he scored so many, what like, fantastic yeah. solo tries. But he's, he's a fly half that really likes to to get into the fringes and, and, and challenge the defence with his running threat. And he gets he gets tight to, the, to his forwards. There was a lot of inside balls. There was a lot of... yeah. Um, you know, hitting the line and looking for offloads. Whereas I think certainly under Pivak, Biggers like to play with a pod of three outside him. And it's almost yeah. like a wider game where he hits the pod of three. And that hasn't always worked, mainly because I think of Wales's inefficiency at the breakdown and their speed yeah. of ball. But when it did work, I think North's try comes from it. Wales move across the pitch. Bigger keeps it in the, the wide option. They keep getting numbers. Eventually they draw Max Malins from the backfield. Bigger chips it dabs it through off his left foot. Reece Samick gets to it and they're, they're down the, the left wing and then they, they just work it across for the try. But it was just a really interesting contrast in terms of, you know, Costello, the inside ball, we're just working on it. It's like Reece Samick probably should have had a try, but he's yeah. just been lost his foot. And there was another one, I think he hit north on the inside ball and then there was a lovely bit of play just before that north inside ball where he, Costello starts on the wrong side of a ruck he points for Chunza to be first receiver and he runs a sort of an arcing run behind him, takes the pullback pass and then hits the line, gives an offload to D, wails it through over the game line. And it's, it's just, it's the sort of thing that, you know, we've probably struggled to see because, you know, Wales aren't blessed with big ball carriers. So they've always had to find, particularly in the last four years, different ways to get over the game line. Gatlin knows that better than anyone we're seeing. We're seeing the same sort of tactics that he was using four years ago. Like Rio Dyer had a pick and go off first phase after a line out. They did the same in Rome. That's that's classic 2019 Grand Slam tactics when you had Josh Adams and North as your pick and go option. So it's just interesting to see how they're doing it. And I think with with Costello and Bigger in particular, I think there could be a real nice balance. And it's it'd it'd be bold for for Gatland 
to well, it'd be both for Gatland to name Costello in the in the thirty three man squad, given the experience he's got elsewhere. It'd be very bold to to make him a part of the match day twenty three, but I don't know. I mean, Anscombe's currently got a knock. Owen Williams has missed two training camps. You know, Costello's got a lot of promise and big as an old head. I I, I quite like the idea of them two working alongside each other at some point. And he offers something different as well to to big and. In terms of his attack, he's just got this wicked turn of pace as well. He's quite explosive, and even though he's not the biggest guy in the world, it, it, it it's it's about like finding different ways to get over the game line, isn't it? Um, and he's really intelligent. He's got a lot of um, a lot of peripheral vision, um, and Wales Wales kicked a lot more off ten as well than than nine on uh, on the weekend. Um, he took a lot of responsibility. Um, I, I I could see him. I could, I could see him going to the World Cup. I think. Yeah, well, I think part of that. I think Charlie Morgan's pointed out on on Twitter. Uh, the Telegraph writer was. They learned from their mistakes from the Six Nations, didn't they? Because the Six Nations, yeah. they kicked, they box kicked down Freddie Stewart's throw yeah. all day long. Yeah. He got man of the match. England won comfortably. Yeah, you know they could have won by more. Saturday they they set up box kicks and they quickly shifted it to Costello and he mm. put it on to Cock and a Singer. And, yeah, and yeah. I mean, half the reason, well, half the, half the reason Cock and a Singer is probably not in the England squad is because he, he couldn't really deal with the high balls that Costello was putting up. So, I mean, that's an interesting tactic. I think England are going to get targeted on that. That's, yeah. that's a lot of things, Will. And, you know, it wasn't a good England team, was it? I think. No, that's, that's where we got a, you know, it was a positive performance. You can only beat was put in front of you, but they were very poor. Um, yeah. And you'd expect them to to go close to full strength this weekend, I think, at Twickenham. Yeah. Um, so it'll be, you know, but as Warren Gatlin said after the game, it's it's not, it wasn't just nice to win, but it wasn't all, all about the result. And I think um, playing a full strength England team, um, you know, he probably th- th- we expected him to throw in a few more new caps. He'll he learn a lot more. Oh, yeah, about these so. players, so um, it'd be it'd be a bigger test this this Saturday, I think. Yeah, I think I think this England this England team that that we saw on Saturday it had it had some of the problems that Steve Borthwick's had since he's been there, and that that's probably where you need to find the context. I mean, they're still they're still woefully uh, inefficient in the twenty two. Mm. I mean, they 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 sort of made the, the Welsh defence buckle uh, quite a few times in the first half, but mm. then they just could not finish off the opportunities. Better teams will do that. <clears throat> Wales scrambled well. I think Rio Dyer on a couple of occasions, George North uh, scrambled. Once, well. Yeah, Costello made a great tackle on, I think it was... Halfpenny did one of I think that. it was Marchant. Halfpenny's on Marchant. I forget who Costello made a tackle on. It was the last thing he did in the second half. Better teams will probably finish those chances. I mean, there was, there was one where England... I think they get down the right, the right sort of wing, and there's just a simple carry for for a forward off off care, and and just Wales's fringe defence isn't there. They haven't folded, and there's a massive gap, and they you know the pass is poor and they spill the ball. Yeah, you do that against Ireland or France, it's it's a try. Yeah, every day of the week. So that's what we need to see. I think Forshaw's defence. Yeah, looked decent. But you know my worry is right. <clears throat> you know if you look at 2011 World Cup, 2015 and 2019. So Wales had a really established centre partnership, Jamie Robertson, John and Davis, Scott yeah. Williams in and out, and then you had Parks and um, uh, John and Davis play together at club level, obviously. And these players had almost like a telepathic understanding of each other. 
of each other's games and you look at the Welsh centres now some really good individual players there but we're still not settled on a centre partnership that's yeah. partly because Pivac was chopping and changing a lot um, that's that's a big issue for me and the teams that tend to do well in World Cups you, you look at the past winners you, know, you look at all blacks you know Norno and Conrad Smith for how many tests have they played together you know Dars didn't ever win there obviously but you know Dars you know Driscoll for years when Ireland are dominating the Six Nations you know you had last World Cup, uh, DLND, Lucanio Am, you know, these guys have played so many 20, 30 tests together by the World Cup. Wales haven't got that. And I think especially from a defensive point of view, there were a few, George North played really well. I thought Max yeah. Whelan had a, a solid game considering it's his first cap. But there were a few sort of um, uh, deficiencies in, in, in midfield. It's a system really, isn't it? Because yeah. I think individually they all defend well. Like yeah. North... I think North gets really underrated defensively yeah. for his tackle choice. But I think, but I think, point I'm trying to make is, I think if you if you have like an established yeah. centre partnership like Foxy and Roberts, then you know th- there's yeah. no, that's not happening. You know, Jonathan Davis wouldn't have misread in his prime anyway. Yeah. some of those those um, England attacks, and that's not a criticism. It's it's just the fact that they haven't played much together as a unit, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges Gatland's got is. I, I, I personally don't know where Wales' is best midfield is. No. I don't know if you've got a I don't, I don't think that's, no. That is a challenge. I, I don't think. think anyone does. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a great point. You know, like Jonathan Davis in his prime just read read everything so yeah. well. You know, the, the, he, he, you know, back then you talk about the chain. The, the chain never broke in terms of what he did. But if, 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 if a team reached the edge and they got around Wales, he was so good at sort of sweeping under and clearing the threat. And I think... When you haven't got an established centre partnership, it's really hard just to to build those those bonds. Like yeah. I thought, North defended well individually on the weekend in terms of you know his, his tackle choice is so good in terms of slowing down possession. You know he, he soaks up sort of contact, holds the the ball carrier up, and and that's massive in terms of allowing Wales to reset defensively. But yeah, you know we saw it in the Six Nations. I mean when. Um, Joe Hawkins and I think it was Mason Grady out in Rome, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got, got torn to shreds. Yeah, and it wasn't because they were missing tackles. It was, it was just the inexperience. Obviously, yeah. very inexperienced in themselves yeah. at that level, but they'd never really, you know, played much together at international level. And it's, you know, it's centre. The centre is so crucial in terms of defence, especially outside centre. So yeah, it's a concern, isn't it? It is, and, and uh, this is maybe where it's going to be interesting to see what they do this weekend. I mean, by the time this podcast goes out, uh, Gatlin will have named the, the, the squad because I believe he's going to name it like last week on, on Wednesday morning. He seems yeah. quite relaxed about putting it out, but obviously, no, we've got our ears to the ground. Yeah. We, we've heard a few things. Also, he did a run out in front of 10,000 kids yesterday where he may have put the team out. I'm still not sure if he has. You know, we were speaking to some journalists yesterday and we were saying, well, this is exactly the sort of thing one would do. <laughs> put put a team out make us think it's one thing and then suddenly it's another team on Saturday but you know we, we understand Joe Roberts is going to make his Wales debut um, on the weekend logic would dictate that they partner Nick Tompkins with him because it's an experienced head and then Kieran Williams on the yeah. bench because you don't really want to throw the two new centres in no. at Twickenham I mean in terms of the squad it's it's a it's a sort of it's a tough thing to say, but I think Joe Roberts is maybe the most natural thirteen. Obviously, George yeah. is a converted wing. Mason's flitted between the two. Um, 
you know, through youth rugby, you know, wing and an outside centre. He's obviously just, he looks a test match animal, Mason Grady. I think we saw that on the weekend, you know, even as a glorified back row, he just yeah. looks like someone who can break contact and, and make an impact. Joe, Joe Roberts, to me, um, he's one of those players, he's, he's hard to, to get a, to get a real grasp on because he's, he's not the sort of player, if you watch him for the Scarlets, he's not the sort of player that has like Brian O'Driscoll or Mason Gray, the X-Factor moments. He's more Conrad Smith. Yeah. I, I would think in the last sort of few years, a bit like Chris Harris, when he got picked for the Lions in 2021, just a really, really defensively solid And he makes center. good decisions yeah. defensively, a bit like John and Davis. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I'm really intrigued to see how he goes at Test Rugby because I just think he just looks like someone who just, just reads the game really well. You know, we, we've heard he, he he made an impression out in Switzerland. Um, didn't, didn't go to Turkey. No. But, you know, he looked he looked lively yesterday as, as much as you can do playing eight on eight touch. And... Um, yeah, he had a really, really strong end to the season with the Scarlets. Mm. I mean, if you consider the last the last couple of years, you know, Scarlets fans have been waiting for him to break through and he's just, he's had bad luck with injuries and, yeah. and everything. And, you know, the Scarlets had a, well, an awful start to the season and then everything clicked around December. And, I mean, part of that was getting youngsters like Kemsley Mathias and, and Joe Roberts just starting regular games. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um I think, you know, that that court final in the Challenge Cup they won against Claremont, he, he was outstanding and um obviously he, he works with Jonathan Davis on a daily basis, which probably helps his uh, development. But he's he's one of these guys like is in that game, his defensive reads was superb and went a long way to winning that that game. He doesn't make many mistakes at all. Um, he, he's not going to score tries like Brian O'Driscoll or um, Marnonu, but that's not to say that he's not um, you know that, that he's not a good attacking player. He's got this habit of like ghosting past defenders, and you know he, he puts people into space. He, he's like the glue of a scarless yeah. uh, attack. Um, and in terms of the World Cup. Um, Obviously, George North's done well at 13, but I think you know there's still a sense that he's a wing playing centre, whereas Roberts is a natural 13. Um, but, of course, his problem is, moving forward, North can play in the wing and Mason Grady can play in the wing, whereas he can, can only play centre, yeah. maybe only 13. So um, that's what he's up against in terms of final selection. But if he starts at Twickenham and he, he has a stormer, then, um, you know, it's going to make... Uh, make Warren Gatland think hard, isn't it? Because as we said, you know, there's no established centre partnership and, you know, it, it's there for the taking in, in many senses, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah. Some of these centre positions and it'd be interesting to see if Keenan Williams is involved as well because he's been outstanding for the Ospreys. There's a lot of people who think he's too small. I don't buy that myself. I think he's really physical, yeah. good footwork. I think he deserves an opportunity. So it'd be interesting to see how he goes as well. Absolutely. I think that, I think that, that place with strength, Kieran, I think, you know, almost his size, it's it's the power that he packs from that sort of rather diminutive size and he's able to pick yeah. angles and, and and get into really awkward sort of body shapes yeah. for the defence. And it's, you know, it's in some ways, it's almost harder to to take that. If, you know, if you've got a small guy running an out-to-in line across you, yeah. you know, especially with the tackle laws the way you are now, yeah. you know, you could, it's, it's very hard to defend that. Um, 
going back to Joe Roberts, I think, you know, I think we, we saw some really positive attacking stuff from, from Wales, but we didn't, we didn't see, Wales didn't reinvent the wheel in terms of their attack on Saturday. You know, there was a lot of talk about Marcus Smith and what he could bring to England. And, you know, Stuart Barnes was wrote in the, um, the times that, you know, what's the point in picking him if you're going to play him in a straight jacket? Um, I know that I was sat next to Stuart when he was writing it. So I was just looking over his shoulder the whole time and reading it. Um, it's good, good copy. Uh, but you know, it felt like England, you know, they wanted to maybe overcomplicate things at times, but Wales was just simply, once they got into the right areas, into the 22, it it was just, just high intensity, quick rugby, but there was, there was, you know, there was nothing, you know, there's no, there's no Joe Schmidt three face starter plays here. You know, you're not, you're not looking at anything like that. This is just, it was just intense rugby. And fitness made the difference. And and fitness made the difference. On the bench. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's speed of ball that kills. Any fly half will tell you that, you know, Damn, damn bigger cops, so much stick as the Welsh fly half. But at the end of the day, you fly the fly half is only as good as what the pack is delivering. Yeah. And and you know, for the last four years, with with how Wayne Pivak wanted to play the game, you know, rucks were almost neglected. How many how many breakdown coaches have we been through in the last three years? Too many. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> And, you know, they'd all tell you the same probably in terms of stuff falling through the cracks in training and, and, and just how that, you know, the side of the game probably still gets neglected, even though it, you know, there's, there's a hundred plus rucks in a, in a match compared to however many scrums. So I don't think, I don't think Gatlin is going to be too worried about having a center, you know, an outside center who can, you know, produce these, these moments of brilliance that breaks down defenses, you know, He'll just want someone who can largely be mistake-free. You know, obviously Lee Halfpenny won his 100th cap. And and the thing people say about Halfpenny, you know, beyond the the obvious of just how much he works for it and just how much he wants it is he doesn't make mistakes. No. And that is what Gatlin loves about him is that every time Lee Halfpenny steps out into the field, this is what I was speaking to Dan Big about it last week, he doesn't want to be the man who makes the mistake that costs Wales the match. Mm. And you know, people can knock him for being risk averse and say he doesn't offer much in attack. I don't personally buy that. I think no. I still think there's few fullbacks who know when to pick a pass to put someone in space as well as halfpenny. Mm. You know, I think you know people just tend to to you know they want the fullback to try beat three men and you know step into space like it's the seventies, which it isn't. No. So I think. I think Gatlin's just going to want to have a team that's not risk averse, but just mistake low, you know, low mistakes, yeah. high discipline, speak to any coach, you know, discipline's going to be key at this World Cup. Anyone who concedes cheap penalties or gives away cards, they're out of contention. I think Joe Roberts could be that sort of player who can yeah. just not really make too many mistakes, be solid in defence. And then, you know, when you need him in attack... He can do the basics, you know. He th- the twenty nineteen Grand Slam was that, wasn't it? Wales, yeah. Wales had a the island game. They had they, they created a chance in the first couple of minutes. They had once they had a starter play, which they knew they were going to run, scored from it, and then they just boxed smart all day long. Let, let let Ireland kill themselves exactly, basically. and that's that's what I think that's what Gatlin wants to do. When Pivak had his best wins with Wales, 
that's what he did. He went won back out to war on Rumble. I know he won, hates that term. He but. won out in South Africa basically by being really tactically astute, kicking well, prioritizing the the aerial battle, being defensively solid, and then having a couple of sort of set plays and strike moves within the twenty-two. One of which was borrowed from Warren Gatland. I mean, the the Josh Adams try in twenty twenty two in Bloemfontein is basically a carbon copy of the Liam Williams try in twenty eighteen. It's just it's just Anscombe off a pullback play yeah. with a loop pass. You know, G- Gatland wrote the book on on this. Uh, you know, and I think that's that's how he's going to want to play. It's just that you know, Alex King and Gatland and everyone's they're talking about shifting the ball a bit more and I think you know I think there's always that desire just because of how they're perceived mm. that they they, they want to shift the ball a bit more but they're not yeah. they're not going to they're not going to play for the sake of playing no and it's too um it's too close to the World Cup to change um, to, to get over complicated as well isn't it so yeah. um, it's about keeping it simple but, but that people think keeping it simple is the easy way of doing things it's actually tough to keep things simple in terms of um professional rugby in general. But I, I would agree with your um, your assessment of um of Joe Roberts. But as I said, I think what why he's up against is the fact that other players can play yeah. play on the wing as well. And and Gallen seems quite intent on going on a nineteen fourteen split. So the back line then is Yeah. You, you are Exactly. You know, he's gonna take three scrum offs. Yeah. He has he has you know publicly toyed with the idea of taking two but take three, <laughs> I think that's just to keep them on their toes after yeah. after Reese Webb's retirement fly half does he take two does he take three Anscombe can cover fullback if he's fit if he's fit that's the thing it's been a while since Owen Williams has played centre I don't know if he's really seen Gatlin was pretty robust in his sort of declaration that he's not picked he wasn't picked as a centre during the Six Nations no probably not going to be viewed that way this time. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they go for three, maybe they go for two. If I suppose if you're taking Costello, they might want to go for three just because yeah. it's, it's a big tournament for him. And then, you know, that's six, that's six or 14 down. So then you're maybe looking at four centres, four backs. Yeah. So one of those centres is going to have to cover the back three. Obviously North does. Grady does. Yeah. Even though, you know, he's obviously not played at international ever, but he's, he can he can cover the wing, yeah. Um, but I think you know, you, you, if we move to the forwards in terms of the players that made their their test debuts on Saturday, um, he's had a lot of criticism unfairly, but Tame Plumtree looked the looked the part. I thought, yeah. And I'm gonna yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna say he's going he's going to France. Oh, I think I, I would agree with you. Um, I think from well from the moment that that, that Warren pulled him. Yeah, <laughs> a slightly jet lagged Tame yeah. Plumtree from yeah. from his new home in Llanelli to uh, to Switzerland. I don't know if he's even unpacked yet. Probably not. I mean, I think he did he arrive. He arrived at the start of that week, didn't he? I think he signed for the Scarlet Star that week. I think he touched yeah. down that week. Saturday, I think he met up with the squad, and Sunday he was flying from Heathrow. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's, pretty, uh, you know, pretty nuts, isn't it? But I, th- I think I, I don't want to be too critical, but obviously. You know, there's been a lot of um, debate about, you know, oh, he hasn't played, you see on social media, you know, he hasn't played in Wales and he's taken the place of Thomas Young or, or Morgan Morris. And, you know, and those two players are very good players who are unlucky enough to be in the squad, but he's not really in competition with those. I think, you know, Gatland is, 
um, you know, he's tied to 33 players. So having a player that can play lock and the whole back row is invaluable. Uh, and not just play those positions, but excel in those positions. Obviously, Chris Chuns as the the other guy. Um, outside the squad, you got Seb Davis, obviously. I'd, Chris Chuns as obviously a, a prospect. You know, physically, he's... He, he he's all there and you know he's there are parts of his game which are really good but it's not he is a work in progress yeah. I don't think he had his best game but I think he was Six Nations he was um, obviously left out of the, the trips yeah. to, to, to Rome and, and France yeah. and I, I believe one of the work-ons from Gatlin was to work on his carrying yeah which I mean in terms of plum tree isn't isn't really a work on, is it? But you look, you look at Plumtree. Obviously, again, there's a lot been made. You know, he's only played six pro games, and actually true because he's he's played in the in the, the Mighty Ten Cup as well. Um, but um, in, in terms, of, look at that Auckland back row, right? You know, Kiro Ioane, Dalton Papaili. Um, you know, there's there's some really Hoskins to two yeah. do. You know, that lock. You know, we've had Patrick Tweepelot, although you think he's he's gone to Japan, but you know that's outrageous depth. But a lot of this current Welsh squad, people won thirty caps, don't get into that. And when he played, he played really well, and he was actually rated in New Zealand. Yeah, um, it would have cut you. Know, you'd have eventually been first choice for the next couple of years, and he'd have played a lot more this year if he hadn't had injury. But he's obviously, you know, having played Super Rugby, he's comfortable in the wide channels really high skill set yep. really very good line of forward dismantled England's line out second half but it's the nitty gritty where he's superior to Chunza at the moment like his yeah. close contact work he's he's good in the tight as well and just the little things are clearing out rucks um his discipline um his height into the the contact into the carry is really good as well and obviously you don't want to get too carried away because England were really poor and you know coming on when when England are you know pretty much you know they they they're almost beaten you know it's you want to put it into context and it'll be a much bigger challenge if he plays this weekend at Twickenham and I'm sure he's got work on as well but you just look at him and you think he's got he's got serious potential and I would be stunned if he didn't make the final squad yeah, that's going to come back to haunt me, isn't it? I don't think it will. I, I don't think it will. I think he is. Yeah, I think he's pretty much. As good, and he's as got good every as right to play for Wales as well. In my yeah, opinion. and it's, it's you know you say about his his sort of contact skills in in close contact. I think that comes down to who his dad is and where his dad's yeah. been. You know, is obviously his yeah. dad is John Plumtree, former Swansea coach. <clears throat> you know, that's why he's playing for Wales. It's because he was born yeah. in Swansea while he was coaching there. You know, he's then been to Ireland and to South Africa. So Tane's played schools rugby in South Africa, college rugby in Ireland. And now he's played super rugby in Aust- in uh, New Zealand. So he's had a really varied rugby upbringing. And I think that's really what's, what's probably helped him in terms of, you know, developing a, a skill set. Because, you know, you see some some players play super rugby and it's, you know, you see you know like you get those sort of those six sixes and eights who, who are great out in the wide channels but they don't they don't really do too mm. much in the middle of the park yeah i don't think he's going to be one of those is he no i mean obviously the as i said england were, were poor and yeah if he plays a trick and it's going to be you'd expect it to be a england's first choice park so it'd be much tougher and i'm sure there are areas of his game which need need some improvement but as we said like the they're just the, the the individual parts of his game. If you if you just look at them, he's got the he's a footballer. He's a top end liner forward. He's a good carrier. He's clear clear clears out drugs really well. He's 
he's got a nasty edge to him as well, which is obviously really good. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a really, really good signing by the Scarlets to begin with. I think they, they've done a lot, deserve a lot of credit for, um, you know, getting him, getting him into, into Wales. And I think Warren Gatlin's absolutely right in selecting him. And I think he, he's the same with Henry Thomas as well, you know, yeah. tighter prop, probably weakest position in the squad. I know he's an ex-England international, but but so what? You know, he he's picked a guy who's been playing week in, week out for Montpellier in the toughest scrummaging league in the world. Absolutely right to select him. Fresh for a sport. Absolutely. Um the thing with, with Plumtree, and I think this is why your prediction's gonna be fine, is you know, obviously Saturday you can you can read as much as you want to into the performance, but it's it's speaking to people within camp yeah. about him. Yeah. Everyone speaks highly about him. Um, and they say he's a bit of a leader as well, quite vocal. Yeah, good, well, just yesterday at the open open training session, they obviously did their, their, their huddle at the end. Um, and I think they sort of vary who has the final say and who, who has the final word and sort of does the little clap to sort of let them out. And yesterday it, it appeared to be uh, Tane Plumtree was doing it. And he, he just looks, I mean, he already looks at ease within camp. Um, you know, he just seems to be getting on with the boys, seems to be quite loud and vocal and, and he, he looks like he's loving life. Um, I think he was introducing his sister to Jack Morgan outside the mix zone the other day. So he just, yeah, he just seems to be having a great time and, and, and settling into the squad. Um, and yeah, I think he'll probably start at eight this weekend, which... I don't know if that's where Gatland will necessarily see him playing in the World Cup. I think he'll probably see him at six, but, you know, with the situation with Talupi Falatau, he's unlikely to play before the World Cup. Well, Wayne Wright had a great game, didn't he? Yeah, it's good to develop options and, and Aaron Wayne Wright maybe had his best game for Wales. I mean, that, that's what Gatland said. Mm. Um, it's always interesting with Aaron Wayne Wright. I think he, he seems to have his best games when Falatau isn't there. I always, I always wonder if they're a little bit too similar, but I feel like he's maybe, certainly he's, he's, he's different to where he was a couple of years ago when Pivac was trying to play him at eight. I felt like, I felt like then he was. There was clarity in his role. Now yeah. As well, isn't but it? also I think he's, he's probably um, just added <clears> a little bit more muscle mass and he, he just looks a bit bigger and. There's more impact when, yeah. he, when he hits contact. Like he dominates contact, whereas in the past you're thinking. Yeah, that, oh, absolutely. You know? But he's just a just a really just a really sort of smart player, isn't he? He's got a great engine on him. He's he's just always wanted to get involved and in, you know, you saw it for the try for, for Gareth Davis's try. He's always trying to get his hands free in contact, yeah. which is which is huge. Yeah, and I think um be interesting to see as well because you know, we we we're trying to trying to we've discussed it off air a few times about trying to get the best what's Wales's best back row. Do they play the sort of um, Pocock sort of Hooper sort of thing with yeah, dual open with, size, you know, with yeah. um, you know Morgan and Raffel? Uh, and actually, as well as Morgan played, he's outstanding. I don't, I don't actually think as much between Raffel and Morgan in terms of them both as a player. But we come back to that. But yeah. does does Wayne Rice performance on Saturday? And he actually had a decent game in the final Six Nations Test in France. Is he part of Wales' strongest back row? Is it a better balance? Because you got Lydia there, yes. Yep. But obviously there's you know his age and he's picked up a lot of injuries. Is Wales' strongest back row? Falto eight, Morgan seven, and um Wayne at six. 
It's tough, isn't it? Because, Especially now that he's yeah. he's a bit more physical than he was, and he does more of the dirty work. Yeah, and you've got Plumtree in there as well. Well, who, yeah. who just looks like he's tailor made for the six jersey. Yeah. Um, I feel like Lydia's going to go to the to World Cup. I feel, I feel like they're going to use him. I think they could use him first up in that Fiji game. I think he'd be ideal for that or the Australia game. Wainwright's a player that Gatlin really likes. For, you know, for those reasons, I think for his for his engine. Obviously, he's a player that's he came to rugby quite late. I think he yeah. was obviously in the the Cardiff City and the Newport County academies. It's a story that's been told so many times. Um, came to rugby when he was eighteen. Went to a World Cup when he was twenty one. I think maybe under Pivac, he he sometimes looked like a player, a little bit lost. Yeah, in what he there wasn't clarity in his role. Yourself for a lot of players. Yeah, no, <laughs> I right, mean, you, you may be good. It's not been the most auspicious of, of four years this World Cup cycle, but I think now Gatland's very much uh, right. This is your job. This is what you're doing. And yeah. and Wainwright's the kind of guy he, he'll just he'll just do that all day long. Yeah. You tell him what to do, and he'll, he'll run through brick walls for you. And I think that's what we're seeing now. And again, it's 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 simplicity. You know, you look back to when. Pivak and his coaching team came in, you know, they were replacing Sean Edwards, who is, and I, I say this with, with, with the most reverence, he's maybe the most simplistic rugby mm. coach you could ever wish to speak to. But that's to. hard to achieve, isn't it? It is. And that's his successes. His successes, right? It's a very simple message, but if, normally if you have a simple message, it loses impact. And yet he managed to keep the impact for 12 years, which speaks to his man management. Mm. But I, I recently rang him up to speak about rugby tactics. Um, for a piece I was doing on trends I spoke to him for 30 seconds and he's like he's like that's all I've got because he's just he's so simplistic he's just mm. like look you know it's harder for defenses because attacks are good but we'll find a way and that's that's all he offered because he's just he's just really simplistic in how he sees the game but that's that's perfect because then Byron Hayward came in again good coach I think um, a good man manager certainly Tried to build on what Sean Edwards did, but it was it was too convoluted and too. He put too many decisions in the hands of the players, which, in split second decisions, isn't necessarily what you want to be doing. No, Sean Edwards had a very simple thing. It's there was thirteen men in the line or fourteen men in the line, depending on how they were defending with the fullback or pendulum, whatever. If you're injured, you stand up, unless your leg's broken, and mm. you just you just fill the line make the tackle and then you know a certain few players had maybe license to, to to make decisions at the breakdown it was you know it was so simple and that's that's why it was so effective and I think maybe that's where we're getting back to with Gatlin and, and players like Wainwright are probably going to thrive in that yeah um, I mean Lydia's the same in a sense you know you're giving people a tackle and you'll tackle them all day long like South Africa last year so I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. I, I've always been, I've been in the opinion of the last year and I think Saturday in some ways reinforced it, in some ways didn't, that you find a place in this Wales team for Jack Morgan. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Because. Whether it's a six or seven. Yeah, although Gatland seems insistent he's a, a seven now. And do you know what? I think from Saturday I'm starting to agree with him. I don't think the way to go is a six, seven combination with Raffle and Morgan. I think you've got to put one of them as your open side and go with a, 
out and out six, whether that's Wainwright, Lydia, Plumtree, whoever. So I'm starting to come round to that school of thought now, but I just think Jack Morgan offers so much. I mean, he didn't he didn't get much from from uh, Nick Berry at the breakdown on the weekend. Mm. Um, you know, he had a few digs, didn't didn't get any sort of breakdown turnovers. You know, whereas you know Tommy Raffles almost unstoppable at the breakdown in terms but of that, that's the point some people would make. I yeah, mean, but I think do you compliment Morgan with? Raffle. But I think I still think Jack Morgan did enough at the breakdown. He didn't he didn't get turnovers. Morgan's but, a better all round player. Yeah. But is Raffle a little bit better at pinching opposition ball at the breakdown and slowing ball down? So do you have to bring those two together? I guess it's it's I guess it's how you view I guess it's 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 what you view as a as a victory. So, you know, obviously we saw out in South Africa last year the amount of breakdown turnovers and penalties um Tommy Raffle won. Saturday, I don't think I can't recall that Jack Morgan made a, a breakdown turnover. I may be wrong on that, but what he did do is he killed England's speed of ball. Mm. Like there was one ruck that lasted eleven seconds, and Danny Kerr had to get involved, which is what Warburton was absolutely world class at, and yeah. people never give him the credit he deserved. Really. Like at the end of the day, you know, you, you, Sam Warburton always used to say, if the attack do their job you will not get a breakdown turnover. Mm. Simple as that. If they if they get their clear out right, you won't you won't. Because there's they got they should have two or three men coming in, hitting you hard on the on the back of your head and and you know mm. top of your back. You're not gonna survive that hit. You're not gonna get get a turnover in, in this time. But just by doing that, if you're bringing two or three men into their clear out, well that's already more inefficient than it should have been. So I think that's what we saw for Morgan and then just everything else he does around the park. Mm. He carries with so much ferocity. Yeah. Like it's it's unreal the way he's he, got a he, real like low centre of gravity as well when he goes into contact. He hits contact hard, he hits it at pace, and he, he's just like a cannonball. Like mm. I'm trying to I'm trying to really think of of players you can compare him to in the last few years, but just everything he does, you know, defensively, just makes his tackles, just his his all round work around the park is is unreal. I just think, yeah, just so so much to to like about him. The way he set up Gareth Davis's try, you know, yeah. I I thought he butchered it. I thought he'd missed the inside ball to George North, but mm. he's just got so much awareness. He's continually scanning, looking up, cuts inside, and he finds uh, Gareth Davis running that support line. I think you know if you if you're talking about the two auditions that he had on yeah. Saturday I think he World Cup captain I think he probably nailed it do you think? I think so and in terms of a place in the starting squad yeah I think I think he nailed it as well yeah I wouldn't disagree with that because I, I could see Gatland well it depends it's tough because then Tame Plumtree could be a brilliant bench option, but I think Gatlin could like Tommy Raffle as a bench option because you bring him to on. Come on, you, do, do you remember when South Africa yeah, won the you, World Cup? They had François Lowe and they just said, "Listen, the other guys are getting everything else covered. Just, just win penalties. You bring, yeah, just exactly. win turnovers. You, you bring, just go after everything. You bring him on in the last twenty minutes, and it's yeah. Well, if if everything goes well, effectively, it's it's stopping the other team having possession yeah. of territory." For yeah. the last twenty minutes, I, I like key. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I could I could see Gatlin doing something like that. Um, 
I mean, depending on his second row options, Plumtree could could fill the second row place on the bench. But I don't know. I don't know because there are, you know, Dab Jenkins look. Good. I thought he looked good on the weekend. Hmm. Will Rowlands does he carried did, really look well? Dab Jenkins does he offer more than Arden Beard? I'm going to say yes. It's tough because, and again, I speak to people who who work closely with with Adam and. I think he's got a lot of traits that that, that, that get overlooked. I think mm, he, he runs the line out. Doesn't yeah, he runs yeah. runs the the line out, um, which is part of the reason I don't think he'll be made captain um, because that's a lot of responsibility yeah, to run the line out and be captain. I think you know that that's part of the reason why Alan Wynne Jones wasn't captain earlier in his career because it's 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 a very difficult thing to do. It's something that Alan yeah. Wynne struggled with, so I, th- I don't think Adam Beard will get the nod for that. Although I don't know, he could captain them against the box maybe I don't know it'd be interesting to see what Gallon does there yeah um, or he captains this weekend and, and Dewey's captain against the box I don't know um, yeah. but right. it feels like both are going to start but I don't know I just think I think Gatland is a massive fan mm. of him like he, he he said basically look I, I want him to go out and show everyone mm. why they're wrong so I, I think I still think he's going to start I think I think Jenkins is breathing down his neck, though. I think yeah, it's healthy. He is, yeah. I think it's healthy. Yeah. Defense, oh, he's a machine, isn't he? He tackles everything. Yeah. He just defensively so good. Um, I mean, Beard, Beard and Rollins had a really nice partnership, didn't they? Back in yeah. 2022, um, you know, before Alan Wynn came back in. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that goes. I thought Rollins just, just showed us what we were missing. Just... Yeah so dynamic through contact hmm. it's strange because i remember when he first made his wales debut against france in 2020 when he was at wasps i thought he was and again this is leaning into what, what sort of pivac wanted i thought he was a very mobile lock hmm. like you know the sort of lock who you'd get out in open spaces and he'd look really dynamic a bit you know like a, a seb davis or a Corey hill but maybe not like a sort of grisly physical lock but then, since then, he's just gone on to show that that's exactly what he is. Just so many dominant carries on the weekend, and yeah, it's just just massive having him available for the World Cup, isn't it? Mm. Um. So yeah, that's 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 a fascinating part of the squad as well. Um. You know, I think yeah, it'd be interesting. Bid Bid will get a, a chance this week. Yeah. Probably alongside Reese Davis, who I I think he's just on the cusp of the squad but it depends I, where I they go I rate Reese Davis um, I'm keen to see him start a proper tough international game because he strikes me as the sort of player that Warren Gartner would like he's really uncompromising he's a really, really nasty piece of work I mean that as a compliment obviously on the field of play he's a strong carrier got real size about him he's really the type of player the Wales have lacked over the last four years Yeah, whether he can make the step up and be as good as interna- at international level as he has been for the Ospreys time will tell but um, and he can play six in an emergency so I-, I am keen to see him have an opportunity and in those Heineken Cup or the Champions Cup games the Ospreys beat Leicester and Montpellier back to back he was outstanding in those games went toe to toe Montpellier pack is gigantic you know and I think he I'm keen to see how he goes I think he deserves yeah. an opportunity I, I'd I'd 
Yeah, I think you're right. He's on the periphery, tough, but I, I would take him. It's tough because I, I feel like... I'd take him yeah, over Carter and his, Teddy Williams. I thought, I thought Ben Carter played he really did, well. He did, but, but I'd, I'd prefer Davis. I, I, feel like, I feel like he might just be competing with... Because he's, he's, he's probably fourth lock of the minute behind um, Beard, Rollins and, and Dav Jenkins. So he's potentially competing with a hybrid where they go for a back row... Sec, um, second row so that's what I feel like he might be up against if, if they were taking four locks I'd have him in there do you think they will take four locks I don't know it's whether it's whether they go for for a sort of hybrid and then it's well you, you know you, you're going up against yeah you know other players and, and it opens up a bit more so I'm not I'm not sure um I mean, I don't think there's is there much else to touch off on the weekend. Um, you know, a word a word on the props again. You you mentioned Henry Thomas. I thought I thought the Cardiff boys, Corey Domachowski and Kieran Azarati went well. So my my dad's on holidays in France, right? And he he rung me, said, "How was he seen the score? How did the game go?" And he's an ex hooker, so um, he he said, uh, "Oh, the props didn't play well. They conceded four penalties." I went, "Well." You actually watch the the scrums, right? Corey Zomachowski was done for hinging. They were like technical offences, and but they never went backwards. Yeah. In fact, there's one scrum where they did push England back, and like you watch the game back, and I think Warren Gatlin did say this in the press or afterwards. But I watched the game back, and I was thinking, oh, was that really a penalty against yeah. Wales? Was that Nick? Pit, the, was that Nick Berry yeah. not having a clue what was going on the and pitch, going? Yeah, the pitch was a mess. It must be the uncapped the, player the, fault. The, the pitch was a mess. So. The amount of times they had to move scrums just to, to, yeah. to keep their foot. And, and, and losing, he gets terrible criticism, but he's really underrated player. Losing Ryan Elias, who everybody says, yeah. everybody I've spoken to, not just Welsh players, say he is one of the best scrums and hookers in the UK. Yeah. That wouldn't have helped, although Deep did thought, have a good I thought, game. I thought Deep went a good really game, well. But I think really, Elias yeah. is probably the better scrummage and hooker. Yeah, it's, just, it's just, I mean, if, you, if you're two one-cap props... Whoever the hooker is, losing your, your hooker within six minutes is yeah. just a Yeah, nightmare. and it ch- changes everything. But my point is, the jewelry's still out, obviously. But I think as first caps go, I've seen much worse performances yeah. and, and the referee, you know, some questionable decisions. But I did think Henry Thomas came on and he, he mangled the England scrum. Yeah. But it's a different game when you're off the bench. Um, but I don't think that Warren Gatlin would have selected Henry Thomas at all in the first place if he didn't seriously consider taking him. No, no, I, I, no. I think unless he, you know, turned up in camp really and was yeah. and he was completely off the pace, I yeah. think he's always going to be there, thereabouts. there or thereabouts. You know, same same with plum trees we said before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you know, obviously we got Twickenham this weekend, second warm up. We're expecting England to go stronger. Um, we've talked a bit about the Wales team. We're expecting. I mean, it's still it's still pretty strong. You know, I think Thomas Williams, Owen Williams, that's that's a decent pairing. You'll have Liam and Williams and Josh Adams in the back row, in the in the back three rather. Williams in the back row. Um, I think it's going to be Lydia Reffel and and Plumtree. That's that's by no means a bad back row. Uh, Tom Rogers could get a debut on the wing, on the wing, which is interesting. Um, Cuthbert's not quite been there. He was doing a bit yeah. of doing some running drills yesterday and t- took part in training, but he's missed two training camps. Um, so it's a chance for Tom Rogers to try sort of stake a claim. Talk is Kenzie Mathias maybe on the bench. Yeah. We talk about Dom and Chouse, took a loose talk of the loose heads. You expect the two Ospreys boys because they're more experienced to be nailed on. And then there's a position for, well, one of the young, unca- well, he's not uncapped anymore. Um, one of Dom and Chouse, Matthias to go. So, um, if Matthias came off the bench and did well, then 
you know, there's a, there's a question mark, um, you know, there's a decision to be made there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess we'll, we'll end then with, I mean, predictions is always hard in games like this. One, because you don't know the teams. And two, because it's it's a warm up and it yeah. you know it doesn't doesn't evidence. It isn't everything. But I, I, how do you see Wales faring in this in this second game? You know, bearing in mind we expect England to go stronger, and Wales again is probably going to be a bit of a change team. I think it'll be compet- competitive. Um, I think Mike Forsh has had three months of uninterrupted uninterrupted access for them, so I think they'd be tough to beat. But I think. There's a lot of pressure on England to get a result, despite it being a warm up. And I think our trick and them, they might have a bit too much. But I, I'll be honest, you, I, uh, I think the results are irrelevant. The only result that matters is Fiji, Bordeaux, September the tenth. As long as they're on an upward trajectory, then it's all uh, Warren Gatton will care about. I think. Well, there we go. Some new faces, a little bit of rust. I don't know if I'm talking about the podcast or about Wales, but. Uh... Well, we're back. We're back with a bang. Uh, if you've enjoyed, make sure you uh, do subscribe to the podcast on all the, uh, the usual uh, channels and uh, stay tuned for the next one.